Museum of South Texas History preserves and presents the borderland heritage of South Texas and Northeastern Mexico for all generations. Hello, I'm Pamela Morales de Hendricks, the Communications Officer for the Museum of South Texas History. Welcome back to Stories from the Rio Grande. This season, we're featuring veterans from South Texas. And if you have heard the previous episode, we heard stories from Ray Leal, a Iraq War veteran, told us a lot about his experiences and sort of his uh, perspective about the military joining and then, of course, coming back from the war. And now we are going to have another episode. This is the second episode. In this episode, we will hear from Juan Ramon Garcia, a Vietnam veteran. And he kind of really didn't want to mention too much about what he did over there. But nevertheless, he does share his story about going to the war, why he joined the military, and also growing up in McAllen in the 50s and 60s. And he does share a lot about family and how important family is to him. So let's take a listen to Juan. My name's, they call me Johnny, but my name is Juan R. Garcia. Juan Ramon Garcia. Do you mind telling me how old you are? <laughs> no, I don't mind because people won't believe me. I'll be 79 in about three months. Where were you born? Here in McAllen, South McAllen. So then you went to McAllen High School? And... I was the la- part of the last graduate graduating class from 1963. Oh, the McAllen High School that's yeah, downtown. Uh, downtown. Yeah. Wow. Tell me a little bit about you know what it was like growing up in South McAllen. Uh, <laughs> it was rough. It was hard. The street that's now 19 and a half street was not paved. So it was all, you know, when it rained, all kind of mud all over the place. But even so, we had it rough back in the 50s, early 50s. There was a big uh, uh, freeze and it froze all the vegetables, all the grapefruit and everything. My dad used to work with the Valley uh, Fruit Company in FAR. There was no jobs, no work. So we went to California for two, two years. And then we came back and we saw the progress of McKellen coming along. And I started grade school, not here, but in California, but I went through Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and all the way up to high school. All the McCown schools. Who uh, who was your dad? What was his name? Daniel Gonzalez Garcia II. The second. <laughs> My grandpa was Daniel Garcia the first. And then I have a, a son who's Daniel Garcia the third. He, he was a veteran also, but he passed away here a year and a half ago. And he had a son, Daniel Garcia the fourth. And he had a son. Then you're going to see the fifth. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and my oldest son, Juan Ramon Garcia Jr., and all his three boys, they're not Juan Garcia, they're not that, no, but they have the same initials, J-R-G. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Juan Ramon Garcia the third, then Joel René Garcia, and Jeremias 
I forget his middle name, but it's an R. Garcia, it's all JRs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So then where exactly did you grow up in South McAllen? It's on South 19 and a half, 920, South 19 and a half. I was surrounded by families. My grandma and grandfather used to live across the street. Then a, a great aunt next to them, then an aunt and another aunt. And next to us was an aunt and another aunt. <laughs> so toda la familia. Yeah, toda la familia. And everybody knew everybody else around the neighborhood. Yeah. Did you have uh, any siblings? <laughs> Do I? Yeah, any hermanos, hermanas? Yeah, I, as a matter of fact, my, my sister just called. She she lives in, in uh, Michigan. And my younger brother passed away here several years ago. I mean, so it was only three of us. So me, my sister, my, and my brother, all, a whole bunch of cousins. And it spread out all over my family. Yeah. I got my closest relatives are my second grandson and his family, they live in Conroe. Then my oldest grandson, he's in the, in the Navy and he's stationed out in Connecticut. My, hus- my husband's family, really? Navy, yeah, Connecticut, yeah. Well, yeah. He was a submariner, so. Oh, wow. <laughs> he's in and out. <laughs> and my youngest grandson, he's in the Navy also, but he's a, uh, master of Arms, which is like a policeman, mm-hmm. and he's in Washington State. So I got to go all over the United States to go visit grandkids. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been an adventure, military and, and going to school afterwards, and mm-hmm. when the you know my and people criticize me, but I said, well, that's okay. So then you joined the Army branch. Well, I, I was in the Army. Yeah, I joined the Army. And when I went to San Antonio to get inducted and everything, because of my test course, I had the two tests. They said, hey, we got this particular job you might be interested in. And like all recruiters, they paint you a big picture, real nice and pretty. Mm-hmm. No, you probably won't be wearing military clothes, all civilian clothes, and this and that. All bull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not true, not true. <laughs> and uh, and they, they said, no, you're going to be, but you have to get a security clearance. Okay. After ba- I took basic at Fort Nettlewood, Missouri. Mm-hmm. After basic, I was sent to Fort Davis, Mass, for school for seven months. And then after that, I was assigned to Okinawa, sent to Okinawa. I was there for 30 months. I got back to the Valley in uh, November, and Hurricane Beulah had hit the Valley in September. Oh, wow. So driving down from from, uh, Houston and Corpus, you could still see water on the fields. Oh wow! Being flooded. Still. Yeah. So then you joined the army in 60, 64. April, April twenty second, nineteen sixty four. I mean, I guess why did you decide to join? Was it because of your dad? Well, part of it because of my dad. I said I'll, you know, go with my tradition. Part of it was by the 
not being able to find a, a, a good job, okay, other than going out to the fields and stuff like that, mm -hmm. which there was a lot of work for that. I said, no, that's not for me. My dad was in World War II, okay? He was in, in the uh, three days after the Normandy invasion. He went in as well. They call it D-Day plus three. Okay, three days after D-Day, he went in, and he served his time. And after high school, I said, you know, there's, there's, I gotta do something else. And then they said, well, if you go to the military, after you get out, you can get your college paid for as well. So, okay, I did. I spent uh, eight years and two months in the military. My particular job was in communication security, which you would need a top circuit clearance from the FBI to come down and check, and I got that. And I worked with a, a lot of interesting people. The most interesting being my second tour in Vietnam, I had to give up. I was in a briefing with a civilian who later turned out to be the second the second in charge to the CIA. Mm. And I said, oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know we went that high, but yeah. There was a lot of programs in Vietnam that people didn't know about. Yeah, communications. Yeah. Now my particular unit was done away with and it's taken, it's been taken up by the other army uh, command, doing the same thing, but, and we did a lot of stuff that people mm -hmm. really don't know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, I'm old school, I, I don't like to talk too much about what we did, because mm -hmm. I, I respect the author that I took back then, that nobody would ever know what, what I did. Or, and now, as a matter of fact, we make fun of ourselves. We call them old spooks and spies. <laughs> yeah. Um, or we, they would tell us, you were never th there. We're going to send you there, but under another uh, title. So instead of Army Security Agency, we were called, see, this was my main unit. Army Security Agency. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it dealt with strictly communications. When you get there, you remove this patch, this chicken wings, <laughs> we call mm -hmm. them, and put on the patches of the unit that you go with. So this one, the Special Forces one, mm -hmm. I went TDY with them to Korea when I was in Okinawa. When I first got to Vietnam, it was with the 196 Light Infantry Brigade. And then that brigade got t taken over by American Division. So that's been my tour there. Then my last tour, I was Military Assistance Command, Vietnam. And that was their patch I had to wear. Wow. So this patch was never worn in Vietnam, but everybody knew we were there. Yeah. <laughs> and there were even rumors that the Viet Cong and NVA had uh, put a bounty on our heads. Anybody working for these units were, I forgot, I think like $20,000. Wow. Dead or alive. <laughs> Oh my goodness! You, yeah. It sounds like you had a very dangerous job. Well, it it was if, if you got careless. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had to be on your toes all the time.
my dad went through World War II, even though he never pushed me. But I said, well, maybe no jobs available if I go to the military. That was when the GI Bill was coming ready to come about. So I'll go in, put in some time, get out, and go to school. Unfortunately, when I got hurt and everything, I couldn't finish. I went for three and a half years at Pan Am at the time. <clears throat> During my last semester, my senior year, that's when the uh, VA decided or gave me an award letter that I was totally disabled and individually unemployable. So even if I graduated, I, I couldn't work because I was being paid by the VA for my disability. So I said, well, okay, I know I can make it. So as long as I know, that's fine with me. But both of my boys went through the GI Bill, through Pan Am. They were both, I'm very proud of them because they both finished, even though I warned them, but they both finished with kids. They were fathers. Yeah. <laughs> and they were able to go through to college. So it's possible if the people want to. They served 24, 25 years, both of them. They both retired as colonels. My youngest one retired, and then six months later, he was diagnosed with cancer in the throat. Oh, no. And on the side of the neck, and the last thing was in his lungs. He just couldn't recuperate from that, so he passed away from cancer uh, like about a year and a half ago. My, my oldest one, he graduated, went to the regular army and artillery, then he changed his job titles and, and went to uh, logistics. He went through a command school in, in Leavenworth, Kansas, and from there he was assigned to the uh, Army National Guard Bureau, which is the main headquarters for all the National Guard in the U.S. From there, he went on a temporary duty assignment to the Pentagon for two years. And after retirement, about a year later, his ex-colonel asked, hey, John, there's an opening for the Secret Service if you're interested. He worked with them for three years. So now he's been with the Peace Corps, doing logistical work. But now with grandkids and great-grandkids, I'm more than blessed with what, how they turned out. You know, I'm very proud of, proud of them both. Now I tell kids, you know, you don't have to go to the military, but get yourself educated, because you never know. You know, opportunities are out there, you just gotta go. And my oldest son, once he got established in the army, says, you know that people are right when they say there's another world north of Alfurrias. You say, yeah, that's right, Miko. It's a different world, you know. There's not as much as much uh, poverty, there's, there's more opportunities. And in the Mexican culture, unfortunately, there's still a lot of parents that don't want their kids to go to college far away, you know. There's no stay here in the valley and work here. Yeah, but I mean, we can't hold them back. We've got to give them the freedom to roam and, and go learn and, and advance to a higher state than what we, we had. You know, I went higher than what my dad did. My boys went higher than what I did. And I'm hoping that a great Kid, grandkids and great-grandkids go a lot higher than that.
you're here we're here at the vfw mccallan you've been here for a long time so what is i guess like you know now that you've been here for a while and you're a veteran you've met other veterans what is one thing that you would like for civilians to understand about veterans you know a lot of people think they see a vfw they see the bar and everything and the thing that that's all we do they think that's all we do just come here drink and get drunk or whatever that's not it's not true some do that fine yes but other ones we do a lot of uh, community work there's gentlemen that were here they, from the honor guard they just went to bury a veteran at the state cemetery tomorrow i think they got two funerals as well and during the 365 days out of the year they do the honors for over 200 veterans of the state cemetery wow and other ones that are done throughout the local cemeteries as mm -hmm. well and we're very proud of that we provide uh for the kids okay in christmas we bring santa claus we give them candies presents and we have a big shindig here inside some mm -hmm. food and stuff for easter we do an extra outside we try to 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 get the family involved, which a lot of people don't think, you know, why? Because family, our families are part of us, and whatever we're a part of, they're a part of it as well. Mm -hmm. The reason we get hit together is because no other person will understand what we went through except another veteran that was in war. And we find it easy to communicate it's easier to communicate with a fellow war veteran than it is to a civilian they know what we have gone through the pains what we've seen people with the guts out legs torn off you know it's not a pretty sight but I've seen when I was in Vietnam I saw one young man get out the chopper to the hospital his left leg was hanging just on the threads of the, of the fatigue pants. And guess who he was calling for? His mom. Mom, mom, I need you. And those words will stay with me forever. And he said, war is, is like I said, war is hell, yes. It's sad, but at the same time, it's an experience you will never forget. And you try to pass it on as best you can to your children, to your grandchildren. You know. And we get together here. We try to help out as much as we can. I mean, we try to keep doing things, not only for us, but for the community as well. And, and work to be, have more, uh, communications with the community that way because a lot of people walk in here and say oh wow what are those so those are the names of veterans who came here and they paid for their placard mm. to be out there there's people here from went through world war ii and, and vietnam korea yeah uh desert oh Afghanistan. yeah i was gonna say desert storm desert storm yeah yeah wow but it, it has a lot of history in here. 
is there anything else you would like to tell me before? Oh, well, no, just that I've, I've, led, I've led a, I wouldn't say a perfect life because of my problems, but a happy life. I'm happy with the way my kids turned out, the great-grandkids, the grandkids. I got a, a grandkid, the son of my son that passed away. He was in Special Forces. He got injured. He got uh, retired. And he studied. The Army sent him to go to language school. He studied French. So we got out of the Army, and he got a, a degree in college. And then they told him, if you get a master's in French, now he's a teacher in Nashville. Oh, wow. Teaching French and Spanish. Oh. <laughs> And his older sister is also in Nashville, and she's going to college, and she wants to be an RN. So they're, they're, they're being taught well and, and following the example of their dads. But, uh, you know, because of you, probably. Probably. I mean, you know the effect. Probably, yeah, Because yeah. Yeah. I went, like I said, a step higher than what my dad left us. And I said, well, I'll help my boys as much as I can, and now they're helping them. So it's a small pro- a slow process, but it, every step, it seems like I mean, every generation goes a step higher. And mm-hmm. that's the only way we could, as Hispanics from South Texas, will advance. And you see it all over the place. How many doctors graduated come back to the Valley, you know, for the same reason, to provide for a fellow human beings in the Valley to provide a service they were never able to, to get, you know, so. Yeah. We're getting there, slowly but surely, but we're getting there. Yes, I <laughs> agree. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks to Juan for sharing these amazing stories that could be considered examples of duty to one's country. It was great to visit Juan at the VFW McAllen. That's where the interview took place. I did get to meet a couple of other veterans there. So hopefully I get to go back and listen to more of their stories and record them and also share with y'all. In the following episodes, though, we will hear from Exhibits and Collections Coordinator Melissa Peña, who produced the Spotlight exhibit, Hometown Heroes of South Texas, a Veterans Day exhibit. That exhibit was on display at the museum during the month of November 2022. This podcast was produced by the Most History Communications team and edited by freelance podcast editor Leah Victoria Juarez. The song is Carpe Diem by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons. Follow us on Anchor to hear more about stories from the Rio Grande. Send your questions through the Anchor app. You can also subscribe to this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
Thank you for listening to Most History, Stories from the Rio Grande.